0: And welcome to the first edition of the Clifford Chance Pensions podcast, our brand new podcast which goes hand in hand with our regular newsletter, the UK Pensions Update, delivering to you a snapshot of the headline points covered in the latest edition. Your speakers today will be me, Rebecca Trapp,
1: me, Louise Oliver,
0: and me, Savannah Dunian, all associates in the Clifford Chance Pensions team. Thanks for the introduction, Rebecca.
2: So what are we going to be talking about today?
1: Well Savannah, there's been a lot happening in the pensions world in the last few months. In this June episode, we're taking a look at the recent High Court ruling on amendments to formally contracted out schemes, the report from the DWP on the impact of the pension transfer regulations, and the pensions regulator's corporate plan
0: published earlier this year. With quite a bit to cover, we'll get started. So first up, why don't we kick off with the recent High Court ruling on amendments to formally contracted out schemes. I think it's fair to say it's quite a landmark ruling. Louise, would
1: you agree? I would agree. I mean, it's a judgment I know the industry has been eagerly awaiting. So just taking a step back for the benefit of our listeners, this is a High Court case which concerns long-standing questions about following procedural requirements and whether this is necessary for legally valid amendments to formally contracted out schemes.
2: Essentially, at the relevant time, The legislation said that scheme rules in relation to contracted out rights post-April 1997 cannot be altered unless the actuary had considered the proposed amendment and provided an actuarial confirmation that the scheme would continue to satisfy the relevant statutory test.
1: Exactly. And in short, the headline point is that the judge concluded that amendments affecting relevant benefits made without this actuarial confirmation
0: were indeed void rather than merely voidable. So am I right in thinking that this was on the basis that there's no ambiguity in the wording of the regulations?
1: Yes, that's right. Essentially, that's the basis on which the judge reached that conclusion, commenting that there was no ambiguity in the wording of the regs, um, and that the meaning was plain and unambiguous. The judge also confirmed that the legislation protects both rights prior to the date of the amendment, and rights attributable to future
0: service. So, you know, quite a landmark ruling, really. Yeah, and and quite a bit of helpful clarification, although I suspect in practice it's going to be quite painful for some pension schemes. So what's the nature of the uncertainty that's been created for them by this ruling?
1: Well, the finding could have an impact on many schemes uh, if they were formally contracted out um, and if they've made amendments in the past without this necessary actuarial confirmation. But I suspect that reaching a conclusion that they don't actually have a copy of this actuarial confirmation might be not quite so straightforward in practice. Um, It's not going to simply be a case of saying we've not got a copy of it. I think it's going to be a case of doing a much larger fact-gathering exercise before you can actually reach a proper conclusion either way. Interesting,
2: and it still remains to be seen whether the ruling will be appealed or not. For our listeners, we have more detail in the newsletter and please do reach out to your cover chance contact with any questions. Moving on to the next key development, Louise, you mentioned a report from the Department of Work and Pensions
1: on the impact of the pension transfer regulations. Should we talk about that for a bit? Yes, that's the next item for sure. Uh, this relates to new transfer regulations which came into force back in November 2021, uh, designed to help with the combating of pension scams. And at that time, the DWP said it would review the impact of these regulations within 18 months to ensure that they're working effectively and giving pension savers the maximum protection. So that's what this report is all about. As a reminder,
2: the transfer regulations impose new conditions that need to be met before a statutory transfer of pension benefits from one scheme to another can proceed. Most significantly, a statutory pension transfer request can only proceed if trustees conclude that one of two conditions is satisfied. The first condition is that the transfer must either be to a public service pension scheme, an authorised master trust or an authorised collective defined contribution scheme. And the second condition is that no red flags must be present with the transfer or, if any amber flags are present, the member has taken pension scams guidance.
0: Thanks, Savannah. That's a super helpful reminder. Um, The report that the DWP has now published sets out some of its key findings in relation to these transfer regulations. And one of the matters covered in the report is um, stakeholder feedback. And what that's revealed is that there are concerns... Um, And, for example, I think one of the matters which we've all been hearing about colloquially and then is noted in the report is the amber flag where trustees decide that overseas investments are included in the receiving pension scheme. And I think the sense and certainly the feedback in the report is that that needs to be either more clearly defined or perhaps removed.
2: That's right. And the GWV has also noted that the red flag where trustees decide the member has been offered an incentive to make the transfer is actually incorrectly blocking transfers because differently. There are also a handle of other areas of concern noted in the report. Um, the GWP has concluded the report by saying that it intends to conduct further work with the industry.
0: Yes, that's right. And it does sound like there's an intention to maybe make some changes to the regulations to tackle these areas and to improve the transfer experience, which I think it's fair to say there's been some frustration over. Um I'd probably note there's no specific timeline suggested for this in the report and no mention of any guidance being issued in the meantime to address these concerns, which we do occasionally see. So I think it's probably just one to keep a watching brief over at the moment. Agreed. And speaking of developments in the pipeline,
1: that brings us on nicely to the pensions regulator's corporate plan for the year ahead that was published a few months ago. As our listeners may be aware, the regulator publishes a corporate plan every year, setting out its priorities for the upcoming year and providing a look beyond. These usually give quite useful insight into what the industry can expect to see from the regulator during that period.
0: Yeah, and there's quite a few interesting points picked up in this year's corporate plan, aren't there, Louise? I mean, it looks like the corporate plan covers a few timing updates. It sheds light on key areas of regulator focus, such as value for money, climate change, super fund guidance and scheme governance standards. That's true. I mean, I would say this
1: year's corporate plan covers a lot of ground. One big item is that the regulator has noted it intends to launch its general code this year. Listeners may recall this was previously referred to as its single code um, and it sounds like this general code will follow the format of the draft which the regulator consulted on back in March 2021 although I suspect the final code will have moved on a bit since then given the draft was published over two years ago so when that comes out there will be a fair bit of work for trustees to do to get to grips with anything new in there.
2: Agreed and, and particularly helpfully the regulators actually noted that the well-run scheme isn't likely to see any major impacts resulting from the new code, although, of course, all, sc- all schemes should be clear about the standards they're expected to meet under the new code.
0: Another useful update is around timing for publication of the final version of the DB funding code. So as our listeners might be aware, that's now been pushed back to April 2024 with TPR intending to launch the new funding code and the regulatory framework at that time. So originally the intention had been to publish it this October 2023, but given autumn is fast approaching around the corner and we've not seen the final version, it's not that surprising that the timing's been pushed back.
1: No, the regulators also noted in relation to liability-driven investments that monitoring market risks remains a key priority, so it's continuing to consider what future data would enable it to have greater oversight of schemes leverage positions. Um, But It's actually recently published further LDI guidance along with the FCA and we've covered that in greater detail in the newsletter.
0: Yes I'd say those are probably the key points to draw out but there's some interesting commentary on other areas as well which we've not got time to cover here. So trusteeship, climate change too and they're in the newsletter so please do give that a read for more detail.
2: Thanks both. That's probably all we have time for today but for the benefit of our listeners we should flag that there are several other developments covered in detail in this month's newsletter including but not limited to the regulator's publication of its annual funding statement guidance from the regulator on equality diversity and inclusion plus further updates on where we are with connecting to pensions dashboards and the retained eu law bill
0: yes plenty in there i might be biased savannah but well worth a read <laughs>
1: That just leaves us to say thank you for listening. So for more detail about the topics discussed, please do take a look at our newsletter or reach out to your Clifford Chance Pensions contact.
2: You've been listening to the Clifford Chance Pensions podcast. Please do follow us on LinkedIn.